We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. There are many people who talk about many different ideas about what effective leadership is and how to get there and whether you're actually born a leader or you learn to be a leader. But what if I told you effective leadership is at the center of a Venn diagram and it sits right between courage and responsiveness? Hey, everybody, Dr. Jones here and welcome to another episode of Seeing to Lead. This week, I talked to Jen Schwanke. And what a conversation. During the time we spoke, Jen talked about two major things and then wrapped up with one incredible point that just resounded so deeply with me. First, she clarified the idea of leadership being something you get better at or that you're born with. Because she said, it's something you get better at over time and through experience, of course, because as you make mistakes, you learn from them. But there's also that innate component that some people have causing them to initially step forward into leadership roles. And the important part of that, here's number two, listen to this. All leaders need to learn how to be good followers and aspiring leaders need to make sure they find someone to follow and learn from. Because stepping up into a leadership position is about finding where your skills and talents match a need in your organization. Only by following can leaders truly understand the different perspectives that they need to see if they're able to make their largest impact. Now, I said there was something she said near the end that just, it was really brilliant. So many times we wonder if we're ready to step up into that leadership role or step into that larger role where we have more responsibility, more accountability. And what Jen explains is that if we waited until we were ready to step up in these positions, we would never step up. So the important thing is to step forward before you're actually ready. And she explains it because that's kind of a scary thought. But she explains it by saying to us that if you have to stop and think about it or ask somebody about it, Just the idea that you are wondering about it means you're ready to take the next step. The only reason you're pausing 
is because you aren't sure of yourself and need a little boost of confidence. This, like I said, was a great conversation, but you don't need to hear any more from me. You really need to listen to this. So like I always say, let's hear from Jen Schwanke on Seeing to Lead and all get to getting better. How do we motivate and support people? We we want them to see value in it. We want them to think, you know, it's. It, I always say it's not about compliance. It, it's about competence. You don't just do it because you have to. You want to do it because you can and you'll do it well. And um, when people feel like their contribution will be valued, they'll step up and lead. And then support, I always say, I have a very conflicted relationship with the word support because support is not... As a leader, you don't support people by doing their things for them, by taking their hard conversations, by protecting them from their own missteps. That's not support. Support is when they um, helps you see yourself, when they are able to kindly and empathetically point out areas of weakness. And when they throw you, when they not throw you, they gently nudge you into a situation where you can succeed. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Jen Schwanke is a longtime educator, teaching, and leading at all levels. She's the author of three ASCD books, including the just-released The Teacher's Principle, How School Leaders Can Support and Motivate Their Teachers. She has written and presented for multiple state and local education organizations and has provided professional development to various districts in the areas of school climate, personnel, and instructional leadership. She's an instructor in educational administration at Miami University of Ohio. Dr. Schwanke currently serves as a deputy superintendent in Ohio. I'm really excited to talk to Jen today, um, especially because of her just released book, The Teacher's Principle. We seem to be on the same page about supporting and motivating teachers and the importance of that. So, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. And um, I'm just going to jump right in because I've heard you on the um, podcast Principal Matters by Will Parker. Quite often, you're a regular guest there. And on the last one that I listened to, you started talking about a creative Venn diagram that we should all have that has courage, responsiveness, and in the middle is leadership. You want to talk a little bit about that and what you may mean by that or what that would look like? Sure. You know, I think about leadership as a uh, as a skill, but also a talent. It's an art and a science, right? And so um, many people think that to be a leader, you have to be courageous. You have to say all the hard things. You have to hold people accountable. You have to, you know, lead with a little bit of an iron fist. And then on the other side of the Venn diagram, other people think of leadership as something you need to just respond to what people need and come with more of an empathetic eye and um, and be more of a um, facilitator rather than a manager. And 
And somewhere in the middle, I think, is the sweet spot of leadership. I think that it does take a lot of courage. It does take having those difficult, hard conversations, the ones you really don't want to have. It also sometimes means, on the other end, giving people a break and saying, okay, this is just a a temporary thing. We're going to get right back on track. Leadership requires understanding the a, a wide spectrum of approaches and knowing when to pluck a, a particular approach out. It involves getting to know your people, you know, and, and being able to read a situation for what it is, not making a mountain out of a molehill, but on the other hand, not looking the other way when there's something that's going to be a problem. So that's what I meant when I talked about that creative Venn diagram with Will, because I think sometimes leaders think they have to be on one end or the other, and and we should always be kind of in the middle and be reactive to how the the scene kind of plays out for us as leaders. So there seems to be, and and what I pulled from that, two things that I pulled from that is it has to do with building relationships. So you have those pieces in there and you know your people and you know how to respond to different things. And it has to do with an understanding of the bigger picture and that no matter what we're doing, yes, of course, there are important things, but a bigger picture is always at play that we have to keep our, our face towards. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. It's about the bigger picture. And, and that goes back to my mention that there, to be a skilled leader, to be a talented leader, you have to have a, an extensive array of options to make, to make sure you get to where you want to get in the bigger picture. You get, get to the outcome that you're hoping for and, and always keep your eye on really what you're trying to do. So, you know, a lot of times, and I, I say that Leaders come in all shapes and sizes and leadership. I'm a firm believer in two things. One, that anybody can lead from any position. Um, it's not something that's just has to do with a title. And two, that leadership is something that's learned. You're not born with it or not born with it, that you have to learn it. So would you have any advice for the second one? How can leaders get better at doing those things and being able to be responsive build those relationships, yet still be able to see the bigger picture and be able to have that decision-making piece. That's difficult for a lot of people. Right. And I think um, I would break it down. You know, this is this is not at all pushing back on what you said, but I do break leadership down into something that you get better at over time. And you get better because of your mistakes and your missteps, of course. But if you look at a um, youth uh, athletic event, or if you look at a high school basketball game, you see leaders, right? You see a lot of people who it seems to come easier to. And then you also will see people who are who are followers. And that's okay. It's it's perfectly fine to be a follower and to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm going to um be part of something bigger, but I don't need to be the one making decisions. So in in the lens of school leadership, I think to your point, just because you have the master key doesn't make you a leader. You have to think about, you know, what you've been hired to do, what your your own leaders, your supervisors, your board want out of you. And then it usually is up to you to figure out how you're going to get there. So again, it's not just because you have a, a business card or you have the placard on your desk that makes you able to make smart decisions. And I think there's two, I actually learned this from my superintendent. He's He's so smart about how and why leaders flourish. And one of the things he said to me um, is, you know, leaders sometimes need to be deliberate and slow. They need to be, to slow down their cadence of conversation. They need to think. They need to understand that the situation warrants a softer touch. 
And then there's other times you got to move fast. You absolutely have to rely on what you know, how you've been trained, what your policies are, what the law is, what the mandates are, make a decision and move. And that's where I think experience and being a student of leadership behooves us because we have to know which one it's going to be. And we can't know that without knowing two things, what our bigger picture is, right? What what we want to get out of it. And also knowing the players involved and the nuance that's that's underneath the surface, the things that you can't see, and then deciding what your response is. That's perfect. And you you started out by saying you were pushing back. That's not pushing back at all. Those, those, are, those are great I, I know. A lot of people think and ruminate on is leadership born or is it built? And I think it's both. I really do. I think leadership, um, sometimes people come come into the world and they are born to lead. And other times people do learn it. But I also know, I think of one teacher, I, I speak of her often with such, I, I'm exceedingly fond of this teacher, but she said to me, Jen, not everyone's a leader. I am at my best when I have a strong leader and who has a vision, has a purpose, has an outcome in mind, and then I'm going to get in line and I'm going to work toward that. And I pushed back on her and I said, you are a leader. You're a silent leader. You're the one that models um, behaviors and perspectives for others who who sometimes might be contrary to the greater mission. So she, what I call a silent leader. But but my point is what she said to me really resounded in, in how I think about leaders because, you know, we tend to think of the leader as the one who wants the microphone. Uh, you know, I'm going to be the one that speaks. I'm going to be the one that explains where we're going here and everybody's going to fall in line. And that's not necessarily leadership. And and it takes such a variety of leadership approaches to make an organization work well. You know, I, I really like what you said there because you you said a couple of really good things that led to a question. But one of the people that reminds me of when you mentioned the microphone is there's an educator by the name of Neely Bartley in Massachusetts. And she wrote a book and it's Lead Beyond Your Title. And one of the big things that she talked about, especially when I had her on my podcast as a guest, she talked about passing the mic and how powerful that is for the leader or the person that's seen as the leader to pass the mic to other people to be leaders and to let them tell their story and lead from where they are beyond their title, hence the title of the book. But one of the things that this begs the question for me is when we talk about leaders and people that lead or people that follow, so many times that's brought up in almost a negative manner. Like those those people are followers. Exactly. Exactly. So how do we as leaders message that in a positive fashion? That it's okay to be in that role for the time being or transitional or, or for however long. Any ideas on how we can message that as leaders to our people, that it's okay to follow from time to time? And there are times that I need to follow. Right, right. Well, I think it's, um, if you think about it, of course we can't be all be the leader, right? I, I think about a conversation I had with my husband about 10 years ago, and we were talking about leaders. And he said, listen, there's only one Taylor Swift. There's only one Travis Tritt, right? They, they're the ones that are like, oh, no one's singing for me. I, give me the microphone. I got it. And people like that. And then, you know, hundreds of thousands of people follow that one microphone, right? And our, as a society, that's how we are structured. We can't all be the one singing because then we're all shouting over one another. And so how do you message it? I think you you say it. And, and I'm again, I'm thinking about when I was a building principal, I would say, you know, okay, we have this initiative. I'm going to need a couple people 
who might be willing to step up and, and help lead this. And then if you're willing to be part of the team, uh, maybe doing the grunt work or maybe being the one who shares some insight, hey, we're getting off track or hey, have we thought about this other thing? Or hey, I, I think we need to get something else or someone else involved. We need those voices there. And so identify where you're most comfortable in this structure and be that. And I always found that that people were really comfortable saying, hey, I'm going to be a follower. And they wouldn't say that. They would say, I'd like to be a team member or I'd like to be um, part of this, but I can't lead it. And so people know themselves. They know themselves very well. And it's okay to say, hey, where, what are you comfortable with? What do you want to do? Because I only need one or two leaders. I don't need everybody to think they're in charge. If anything, that's a culture killer. There's too many people who are you know, trying to out alpha everyone else. So saying it, being honest about it, knowing what you want, what how you want the structure to look as you as you roll out some sort of initiative, I think is really helpful. Awesome. You know, and it's when something like that happens, I really like the way you went about how you told them exactly what you needed. You were very clear with what you were looking for. And that gave people, I, you know, the word out comes to mind, but it's not about having an out. It's it gives the people the ability to self-select where they're most comfortable. Well, yeah, and and I think of sometimes it helps to put yourself outside of the professional context. Every household has a leader or two, a couple co-leaders. And um, whatever the household looks like, you've got some followers and you've got some leaders or co-leaders and you fall into patterns and rhythms and routines that work. But then there's there's other times that the non-leaders do have to step up and be in charge. And that's okay. And And... You can think about that even in terms of um, when we drive down the road. There's people who always have the right of way. And the only way we're all safe is if everyone else says, okay, they've got the right of way. I'm going to wait my turn. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) yield. And so it works. It works if everybody understands that um, there needs to be certain leaders at some point and there needs to be followers. And I think about this a lot because I am currently in a deputy role, which means I'm an assistant to my superintendent. And he's, his name is Dr. Mar- John Marshallson, and he's very comfortable saying to me, all right, you take this one. But then also I learned so much from him being a follower. And that's what I would say to aspiring leaders, follow, Fo- find someone that you want to follow and watch them and learn from them. I really like following an excellent leader. I learn so much. I feel very helpful. I feel part of something bigger. I feel like I make a difference. And so I think a strong leader also needs to know how to follow. And only by doing that, do we understand the perspectives of other people involved? Do we learn how to talk to people? Do we learn how to not take certain things for granted? And so even the strongest leaders, I think, get stronger when they put themselves in a situation to follow and they trust their leaders. And they'll, you know, they might feel free to say, hey, I have a different perspective on that. But when the leader says, hey, we're going in this direction, you say, great, so am I, go. And so, you know what, I wish, I would love to be able to put that on repeat and tell people that are listening to this to get out their notebook and their pencil. Right. And, you know, especially right from the beginning where you took it out of the professional context and put it in the personal context, which I don't know if my wife listens to these, but I just want to say for the record that I am not the leader in the house (laughs) or pretend to be, but... There are probably times you are. Like, for example, you said to me before we started recording, hey, my boys might want to go work out after school. Well, you're probably the guy that leads the workout for them, um, or at least Friday afternoons, you know, who knows. But um, my husband and I, it's we were laughing the other day because there are things that I do and I, no, nobody ever get my way. I got it. But there's things <laughs> he does, right? And I want nothing yeah. to do with it. I'm like, you, you, 
technology. You take care of it. Anything to do with the Wi-Fi, the, the devices, he's got. And I'm happy to follow. And so we're, many of us are very comfortable in those, in those settings. And we don't talk about aspiring to be a leader. We just look at the place where we fit best and we step up. And I think that it would be helpful in a professional context to do that same thing. You know, I want to lead, but I have to look at where I, my skills and my talents and the need all cross. And then that's where I'm going to step up and be in, uh, in charge. Fantastic. And, and I'm glad that you said the idea of step up and find a place where we fit and explain, because even as a segue, because we need to talk about this. So how do we as leaders motivate and support? Those may sound like two familiar words having to do with a book title that somebody may have written. How do we motivate and support individuals to step up and take those roles, even though they may not be those leadership roles because they are valuable? And just like you said, they lead to leadership roles. So they lead to growth for people. Right. I think you answered your own question there. (laughs) You said valuable. People don't want to lead unless there's some value in it, intrinsically or for the greater organization, which also, of course, ties back to intrinsic. But you know, how do we motivate and support people? We we want them to see value in it. We want them to think, you know, it's. It, I would say it's not about compliance. It's about competence. You don't just do it because you have to. You want to do it because you can and you'll do it well. And when people feel like their contribution will be valued, they'll step up and lead. And then support, I always say, I have a very conflicted relationship with the word support because support is not... As a leader, you don't support people by doing their things for them, by taking their hard conversations, by protecting them from their own missteps. That's not support. Support is when they um, helps you see yourself, when they are able to kindly and empathetically point out areas of weakness. And when they throw you, when they not throw you, they gently nudge you <laughs> into a situation where you can succeed. I heard the other day, and I wish I could give credit to the right source, but I heard the other day someone say, I've never gotten a job that I thought I was ready for, but my leaders thought I did, that I was. And so it's okay to take a job or to go into a leadership arena where you're like, I don't know if I'm up for this. But if the people around you believe that you are, then you know you, you say, well, at least I have a few votes for me here. <laughs> then you can go into that arena and really, really bloom. It's almost, and so if we take it back to, if we take it back to the personal life type of thing, if you, I've always heard that if you wait until you think you can afford or that you're ready to have kids, you'll never have kids. Exactly. Cause you're never, you never got enough money for that endeavor. Right. 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 And, <laughs> and you're never quite ready. Let's be honest. <laughs> but, right. Right. People, people call me and they'll say, Hey, I'm thinking about this new path. I just don't know that I'm ready. I don't know that I can do it. And I, Say to them, you wouldn't ask me this if you couldn't do it. So the word think is what's instrument, instrumental there. You're, you're pausing because you're not quite sure that you can do it, but you wouldn't even look at it if you couldn't. You know, this is an opportunity that deep down you probably know you're up for. And so you have to think about the barriers that are holding you back and, and knock them down. You know, that's a fantastic point. Um, and, and a response to people, the idea that if you're actually entertaining it as to whether you can do it or not, that means you can do it. Deep down somewhere, you know you can do it. Right, you believe you can, exactly. Right, and you just need that little extra push from somebody else to support you right. in that belief. I've been so lucky because I had leaders who were mentors and believed in me. And, you know, I got my first assistant principal job when I was 29 years old. And and 
I kind of joke, I had no business doing that job, but I kind of did. And it was the principal who said, hey, you're going to do this and I'm going to help you. And, um, you know, she believed in me long before I believed in myself. But I did know deep down, yeah, you know, I can do this. And I love one of my favorite things about leadership, probably you too, is tapping those leaders and saying, here, I, I got you. I got, let's, let's do this. You can, you can go forth and do a really good job being in charge of something. There is no better feeling for a leader than when they're talking to somebody who has decided to take that step into leadership or says they're taking that step into leadership because they trust in your support and that they, and that working with you, they realize that they can do it. Exactly. And you know, this is, you know, what we're talking about here, let's be honest, is exactly what happens in a classroom with students. All the time, teachers lead, they, they help students believe in themselves, see their, their skills, see their talents, see their potential. And then we're so happy when they do, right? (laughs) And so in that sense, every teacher, even your followers, um, you can't see me, but I made air quotes there. They're, they're leaders because they're standing in front of young people every day and, and mentoring them toward whatever path they need to go. That teaching is leading. So the idea of how important our teachers are, that makes me think of how important our teachers are. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. Makes me want to segue to something I definitely want to talk about. So let's hear about your book a little bit and what you have in your book, because we're talking about that. The idea of the teacher's principle. For years, I've said that I'm a teacher-centered principal, and that usually gets eyebrows raised. So I was really interested when I saw the title of your book, um, How School Leaders Can Support and Motivate Their Teachers. What brought you to that? And what's the core idea of that? Well, like you, I'm, I'm at my core a teacher, and I wanted to lead so that I could help teachers be their best. And I've always prided myself in being a teacher-based leader. And, you know, that doesn't mean that that every time a teacher wants something or is upset about something or um, is, you know, acting in a particular way, positive or negative, that I'm always on their side. It's about removing barriers that prohibit them from doing good work. It's about telling them how they can get better. It's about recognizing, and this is what, what you'll find in the book, is I kind of break down teaching and the process of teaching into three different parts of, of a tree. So the roots are the purpose, why a teacher is there. And then the trunk is the priorities, whatever um, 
you know, and that that could include personal priorities, like a teacher who may have some things going on at home that changes their performance, but it also could be the priorities that the district or the school is is giving to them. And then the branches and the leaves of the tree are the patterns, and that's the habits and routines we get into. And so a teacher, or excuse me, a principal who's trying to support teachers and sees either a problematic or an exemplary behavior can identify, okay, is this is this related to the teacher's purpose? If so, how can I support it? If not, how can I help? Or is it related to priorities that are going on? How can I help? How can I um, support? And then the same with patterns. And so to me, it helps. It I hope that it helps principals not put teachers in a box and say, this is a, you know, a, a teacher with no purpose and then be done with them. Or this teacher's priorities are all out of whack and be done with it. There's help and support that can be provided no matter where a teacher's mindset is. And, you know, we we all know teachers usually are immersed in a 30 or 35 year career. It's a long-term relationship. And no one, no teacher should be labeled as something and that's what they are forever and ever because 30 or 35 years is a long time. So that's the intent of the book is to give principals a mindset with which they can approach their staff and, and recognition that every teacher is, is in a different place in their lives and their careers and their understanding and their expertise and so on. Well, it's so important what you said about the whole idea with a tree and those three aspects but the idea of not boxing a teacher in and saying there's something wrong here, all right, we're done with you and, and just turn your back. Because we ask teachers, and especially these days, to continually learn and, and to continually grow. And if you think of it, so that visual is just so appropriate because as I'm thinking about the tree, I'm thinking about, and I actually flash back to my, my own tree in my front yard. We have a dogwood tree that is absolutely beautiful when it blooms but we've got so many problems with it. And, you know, we're, we're trimming branches back to get the others to bloom brighter and to put emphasis on the others and let more growth come out. And we, we had a company come out and work with the roots because we thought it was a roots thing. So it really just brought me back to that place where I could really picture what you're saying and the importance of how leaders have to tend to every part of educators if they're to really grow. Well, and did you hear what you said? You said this, um, I'm paraphrasing, but this tree brings us such joy and such beauty. We we want to tend to it, but boy, it causes us problems. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it's, a, it's a mistake as a leader to say, okay, this teacher is just causes problems. It's such a, this is such a pain. Um, and then consider that teacher not worth the time or the energy to make it better because every teacher might bring that beauty and that joy. And um I think about, I did a PD for a group of principals out of state and there were two principals who were not agreeing about a particular teacher. One of them, the teacher had been transferred away and or the principal that had previously had the teacher loved her, thought she was wonderful, thought she was great with students and parents, et cetera, et cetera. And the receiving principal was like, oh my gosh, she doesn't collaborate with other people. She just sits in her office and the doors closed and she doesn't um, contribute. And the first principal said, oh yeah. And that wasn't a problem for me because I knew she didn't have that collaborative spirit. I mean, she had to come to training and participate in team meetings and stuff, but the value she brought in the intervention space for the, her students was was just magnificent. And the second principal thought, said, oh, I, I guess I hadn't thought of that it that way. And I just let them talk. But in my mind, I'm thinking, 
we have to see what skills people have. And if they don't have what we think they should, we have two choices. Try and change them, which likely will not work, or put them in a position where they are succeeding with the skills that they have. And so, you know, you're not always going to have the most collaborative teacher, but that teacher might bring huge gifts in a, in a situation where collaboration isn't as necessary. So that's just an example. But we spend so many, so much time trying to change teachers rather than amplify what they're already really, really good at. And you say it's just one example, but think about the flip side of that. How many times has a teacher had a rough go in a school in a district and they transfer that teacher to another school? And of course, the administrators sit around and go, oh, geez, you know, she's a problem with this or he's not good at that. They get to that new school and it's like they're reborn. Exactly. They're a totally different teacher and they they do much better at everything where the receiving administrator is is finally, after a little while, going, oh, I'm glad I got this person on my team now. Exactly. Teachers get, and principals do too, well, all leaders get reputations that are many times unfounded. It can be based on one offhand comment or one bad day, and that's not who they are. Or they'll get a reputation for something that maybe is a is an inherent weakness and is never going to be a strength. And rather than be really mad about that deficit, I think that we should look for the strengths and say, okay, what might this person be really good at doing, and where do we need those skills in our school? You know what? It, you know what it circles around to, and I I just want to touch base on this, and I have a couple other questions for you. Is big picture right? You said it from the start. It's the it's the big picture of everything involved. But right, right, exactly. It's you. You know, we we get so caught up in the minutia, and it's the big picture we should keep on. Yeah. So we're getting we're getting to the end of the talk here, which is too bad. I could talk to you for quite quite some time. This is fun. <laughs> but I have two questions I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. The first one is if you weren't, well, I mean, you've been a teacher, you've been a building leader, and now you're at the assistant superintendent level. But if you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? Not what, but who would I be? Yeah. I would be a free-spirited hippie, maybe. <laughs> I want a farm and a couple horses. I want to look at my dogwood tree and how pretty it is. That's what, you know. There you go. I want to make sure that it's all pretty and no trouble. Right. <laughs> yeah. No trouble. Nobody's unhappy. Perfect. Um, the last one is, you know, we, we've talked for a while here. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to educators? as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? I think we the, the best advice I would give is don't be a hammer looking for nails. <laughs> to be um, a leader is not to find mistakes or weakness and try to hammer it to death. Our best success comes when, again, we, we identify the strengths in others and we figure out how they can contribute. As human beings, we want to to matter. We want to be valuable to something. And I think we all are. It makes me really sad when someone feels that they're not part of something bigger. And so I think whether it's, you know, your teacher, a leader, a follower, a principal, a whatever, the to see people for what they can give and and create the space for that giving is the best way to to ensure not only our own happiness as leaders, but the the bigger picture, the organization as a whole. What what a great message to to wrap this up on. The idea of, right, just not being so judgmental, taking a step back 
and and seeing the good that people offer instead of the weaknesses that they themselves would like to hide. Well, and you know, I, I know I don't want to bore our listeners to death and I know we need to wrap it up, but I would say many young people, well, let's go go to this. We learn as we're in relationships, you're not going to change people, right? And and it's really hard to be in a personal relationship with someone who wants you to change. You just can't live that way. So the same applies in a professional context. When I was a young leader, I think I felt like everybody should be like me. They should prioritize like I did. They should work like I did. They should think like I did. And what a massive mistake that would be because that doesn't bring the diversity of thought that we need to have open doors for all of our students. So I think that the... It, it's so helpful to just embrace all of the um, people, perspectives, purposes, priorities, patterns, all of those things that come and, and make it clear there's a place for everyone. How could a message like that ever bore the listeners? So <laughs> I'm so glad you answered that. No, that's, that's, that's excellent. That's just absolutely fantastic about, because you touched on a whole other subject that we could do a whole other show about, and that's the, the need for the diversity of thought. Right, so right. that's fantastic. And I don't think, by the way, I don't think we're boring anyone. I just know that <laughs> I listen to podcasts when I'm walking and anything past 40 minutes, I got to go inside and get a snack. Yeah. So I don't want anybody <laughs> to think we're going on too long. No, no, not at all. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what. So when we hit the end of this and somebody does go in for a snack, I'm sure you've said tons of things that are going to resonate. I know you have, but people resonate with different things. How does somebody reach out and get in touch with you if they want to hear more from you? Absolutely. They can. Well, as you know, I help uh, Will co-host with Principal Matters, but take a look at my website, jenschwanke.com. And on that is my email, how they can contact me and so on. And I'm out there, you know, I'm I'm presenting next month at ASCD and um, got a couple of projects going on with them. So it's kind of my, the way I like to give back to the profession is is be out there for anyone who needs help, support, perspective, whatever. Absolutely fantastic. This has been a lot of fun. I hope your listeners are, I hope they get something out of it. Oh, they're going to love this. There's tons of value in everything you said. You've, I, I mean, you've given so many things. I'm going to go back and listen to it with a notebook out. No word of a lie. So <laughs> great. I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on. And if anybody gets the chance, make sure they search you out and find you. You're at the ASCD conference, right? At the end of March. Yep, I'll be there at the end of March. Yep, and they can find the ASCD website in addition to my own website. And I'll I'll link up your website in the show notes so that people can reach out to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, well, uh, best of luck to everyone getting through the school year. We're going to get there. <laughs> well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. 
where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.